you see, um, as a Jew, that um, Sister Pisa and Mother Basilea have redeemed the name of Germany. I, uh, I have known that work for many years and have uh, marveled at their courage and their perseverance in being a testimony to the fact uh, that uh, Germany sinned uh, in a terrible way. And uh, I believe that uh, this thought of a time of repentance for the nations, there's been lots of individual <clears throat> such things in different nations, in different communities, but something that would be international here in Jerusalem would be simply tremendous. That's my view. Well, now, I want to turn to the Word of God, and I want you to turn with me to just a verse in Isaiah <coughs> and chapter 33 <coughs> and verse 17. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. And then I would like to add to that in um, uh, Revelation. Now, the, I did not give the translators this verse, but in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, and from Jesus the Messiah, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And one more verse that I didn't give also to the translators. 1 Timothy, first letter of Paul to Timothy, chapter 6, and um, uh, verse 13 I charge thee in the sight of God who giveth life to all things and of the Messiah Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed the good confession that thou keep the commandment without spot, without reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus the Messiah which in its own times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in light unapproachable, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power eternal. Amen. One further word of prayer. Beloved Lord, we stand by faith into that anointing which you provided for us, both for the speaking of the word, both for the translating of the word, and for the hearing of the word. Let this time be, we pray, O Lord, a meeting with yourself. In some way touch the eyes of our hearts that, Lord, we shall never be the same again. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I can't think of a better occasion than Ascension Day 
and Jerusalem Day coming together to talk about the Messiah, King of Israel and King of the nations. It couldn't be a better day. I don't know how it quite got arranged like this, but it has to be the Lord. That is a wonderful word, thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. There is a little phrase in Revelation 22 that says, And his bond slaves shall serve him, and they shall see his face. So near that they will see his complexion the color of his eyes, everything about him. Bond slaves. And then it goes on to say, and they shall reign forever and ever. It is worth being a bond slave. A hired servant is something else. He gets wages. A bond slave <clears throat> is someone who is owned by his master. He earns no wages. His life is laid down. His life or her life is not his or hers own life. A bond slave. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. The promise of the Messiah you will find at the very beginning of the Bible and all the way through it. It begins in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 in those amazing words which the Lord spoke to the serpent when he said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise or crush his heel. From that point onwards, you have the promise of a Messiah, a promise of one who would come, who would be a Redeemer, a Savior. Before long, you find it in so many other places, I think, of the same book, Genesis, and chapter 49, and uh, in verse... Um, uh, uh, 10. Listen to these wonderful words. Uh, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as a lioness, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh come. So we know it's the tribe of Judah. Later on, David, King David, in, as he was lying on his deathbed, uttered words that are perhaps amongst the most beautiful in the whole word of God. In the second book of Samuel, and chapter 23, from verse 1. Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, saith, and the man who was raised on high, saith, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel, 
The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was upon my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, There shall come one that rules over men righteously, that rules in the fear of God. He shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a new dawn, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth through clear shining after rain. And then he goes on, Verily my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to dwell for long on this subject, or we'll be here right through till tomorrow morning. But the fact of the matter is, you have a promise of a Messiah. It is everywhere you look in the Bible. Right the way through the Tanakh, you will find, beginning with this little, almost insignificant stream, I will put enmity between you, uh, this, your seed and the seed of the woman. And, and that promise that there would come one, you find as you go on that before long, as you know, it is from the Jewish people that this Messiah is to come. And it is from the tribe of Judah. Out of the twelve tribes, it is the tribe of Judah. And then we know it is from the house of David. The house of David amongst the houses of Judah and then the princes of Judah, and then before long we find it is in Bethlehem that he is to come. For thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which art little amongst the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall he come forth, who shall be ruler of my people Israel, whose goings are from of old, from everlasting. Then you begin to find in Isaiah that his birth is extraordinary. Behold, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. With us, God. I, I, I think it's amazing to me. Uh, uh, if you look at the 70s, second psalm, there you have this marvelous psalm about the triumph of the Messiah. How the whole earth will come. It is not just Jewish. Never get that absolutely clear. It is not just Jewish. It is not just for the Jewish people. From the very beginning it is promised that all the nations will come and will serve him. They will bow down before him. They will name themselves by his name. It is in the 72nd Psalm. It is a marvelous Psalm of Solomon, the son of King David. Uh, it is this that gripped the Jewish people and almost was a, in, in some way perhaps almost an overlooking of the other side of the work of the Lord Jesus when it says he shall grow up before him as a tender plant out of dry ground despised of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 is the most remarkable exposition of the work of the Messiah in the whole Bible. In my estimation, there is nothing even in the New Testament that comes near to the extraordinary explanation of the work of the Messiah. And it ends with, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. In the same vein, King David wrote or composed a psalm, the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The extraordinary thing about the 22nd Psalm is that all the record of what happened at Calvary is by eyewitnesses. They stood there, they saw it, they recorded it. They didn't dwell on the physical sufferings. It was almost as if they understood that the physical sufferings of the Messiah were the least part of his pain and suffering on the cross. They just, almost a journalistic style, they report what they saw. But the 22nd Psalm is the record of what happened on the cross from the eyes of the one on the cross. And the most remarkable thing is that King David never had his hands pierced, never had his side pierced. Uh, it is an amazing story, uh, a record in the 22nd Psalm. Not only the death of the Messiah, but also uh, the triumph of the Messiah, his resurrection, it is all there. My dear friends, everywhere I look, I see this amazing thing. I cannot dwell with it, I'm only mentioning it in almost in passing because I want to get to the heart of the matter. The fact is you have a promise of the Messiah. And that promise of the Messiah, his glory and power, his suffering and atoning death, you will find in the Old Testament. People forget that the early church had no New Testament. It was in the making. Where did they get all these great evangelical doctrines? Where did they find baptism? In Isaiah 53. I always say that whenever I go to a Baptist theological uh, seminary. I say, do you know that because there was no Romans 6, and there was no um, uh, teaching on the matter of baptism as such, um, uh, uh, they found it in Isaiah 53. You will remember the Ethiopian eunuch got baptized on the basis of Isaiah uh, 53. Uh, Philip found baptism there. Uh, how, I always say in those colleges, I'm not quite sure myself. But they found all these great evangelical doctrines within the old, uh, the books of the old uh, covenant. Uh, beloved friends, I believe that this promise of the Messiah was fulfilled in the person of our Lord Jesus. 
You have to have a veil over your eyes. You have to have your heart hardened. You have to have your mind closed, not to see that Jesus, Yeshua, is the absolute fulfillment of all these extraordinary prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was of the house of David. Even the Talmud says, Yesu, who was of the royal seed. Uh, it is incredible that uh, you have the whole thing uh, fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus. On the Passover, when the lambs were being uh, uh, slaughtered, uh, Jesus died. Is that not in itself remarkable? And is it not even more remarkable that when he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, it was on Shavuot, the day we commemorate the giving of the law uh, to Moses and through Moses to the children of Israel, on this Shavuot, when the day was fully come, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus, Yeshua, the risen and ascended Lord, Messiah, poured out, obtained the promised Holy Spirit and poured him out. Now, my dear friends, I find that all very, very marvelous in a way. And when you talk about the king, the king of Israel and the uh, king of, uh, of the nations, Jesus was born king. The wise men came from far saying, where is he that is born king? Even the stars for, uh, 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 signified uh, that the king uh, was born. They came from afar to find him in this uh, land in Bethlehem. He was acclaimed king through the three years of his messianic ministry. And when he came to die, the only title that was nailed over his head was, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. They could have said, This is Jesus of Nazareth, um, uh, the Prince of Peace. Or they could have said, uh, The Savior of the World. Or they could have said, The Friend of Sinners. They could have taken a whole number of titles. But the only title... Jesus uh, uh, died under was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of uh, the Jews. Beloved friends, I want really to dwell more upon the simple fact of the centrality and supremacy of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. 